welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Leg of the Ozarks Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You can download any of these free apps to any mobile device. Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, and Spotify. They're all free. I mean, it's freer than an expected scandal right before the midterms. That's right, kids. Paul Pelosi is attacked in his home with a hammer. You guessed it. It's a Trump supporter. Somehow a man was able to simply waltz right into the speaker's house. The one that's just a few breaths away from the presidency. Someone walks past security teams. Home security system comes in yelling, where's Nancy before anybody can do anything? Paul Pelosi in his underwear fights for the hammer and this guy somehow gets some blows in on him while nobody knows about it. None of the cameras caught it. We don't get the police video of it. None of the Secret Service caught it. And of course, this guy bought a my pillow once back in 2019. So well, there you go. He's a Trump supporter, right-wing bagger, Republican who loves violence, as all Republicans do. Oh, don't hurt him, Hammer. Don't hurt him, Hammer. Oh, my gosh. Here comes the Hammer. Paul Pelosi. Get the free apps. It's uh, as easy as, I guess, as uh, slipping past Homeland Security, the Secret Service, top security cameras, the police, and, of course, you know, I have to say we don't condone violence in any way. We hope that he has a speedy recovery so that he can get back to drunk driving and insider trading and, well, you know, just whatever else Paul Pelosi does with his spare time. Well, how's everybody doing today? Yes, you got a little bit of free MC Hammer there for you. You're welcome. Uh, we're in a new series titled Passing the Test. Passing the Test. We don't usually like the idea of tests. And of course, as I mentioned before, people have falsely said, well, God tests us with sicknesses and diseases and these terrible issues, right? Well, that's just a lie. And so that's caused us to hate the idea of being tested. And it's spoken of negatively. The reality is there are some tests that we will always be taking in the different stages of our lives. We need to recognize them and face them so we can pass them. Because guess what? They're coming. Whether you like it or not, you'll be faced with them. So that being the case, let's let's look because God isn't doing it to harm you. He's not doing it to bring negative results. No, he's always looking to promote you into your destiny that he had planned for you. But along the way, we will have tests. All of us have dreams from God. Last week, we saw that Joseph's dream... Those dreams were from God. It's those dreams that are custom made for you to do. It's those things that only you can do. So it's important that all of us fulfill this in our lives. I can't walk out yours and you can't walk out mine. Don't just live with the idea that I have one. You have to pursue it. These tests will last the rest of our life because God is building our character to support the destiny. I know through the years I've seen many who were no doubt anointed and called and they jumped into that never having their character underneath them as a foundation for the destiny, and it crumbled. It never became what it could have become. Character is so important to support your destiny. Your destiny can't keep you where there's no character. Your anointing won't take you where the character can't keep you. 
It just won't. Your destiny will never be able to grow into maturity with an immature character under it. You're, you always have a destiny, but it, it will stay in its infant stages, which, by the way, is a very vulnerable stage because it's there that the enemy can attack it with greater success. You know, it's easier to crush an acorn than an oak tree. So you'll always have a destiny, but many don't fulfill it because it stays in this very vulnerable stage where the devil can easily come and attack it. Destiny is a large responsibility. But if we have no character, God cannot allow it to grow because then it's going to become a burden to you and not a blessing. It'll become a burden to the people and not a blessing. And if that's the case, you're going to neglect the gift that was supposed to be walked out and be enjoyed as your destiny. Last week, we saw the pride test. It all starts with the pride test. We saw that. And this week, we're going to look into passing the pit test. Genesis 37 and verse 13, And Israel, or Jacob, Joseph's father, said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock of Shechem? Come, I'll send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Verse 14, Then he said to him, Please go and see if it's well with your brothers, and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Verse 15, now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. So we see here he is. He didn't ask where his brothers were. He's just out wandering in the field. I think the guy's a daydreamer, right? He's just out wandering around in the field, and this guy's like, what are you doing? The man asked him, who are you seeking? So he said, well, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, well, they've departed from here. I heard them say, let's go down to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them at Dothan. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now, we get a general overview of their conversation, but picture it. They see him coming. Hey, look who it is. Oh, it's the dreamer boy. Great, great, great. I wonder wonder what he's going to share with us now. I wonder how how he's going to rule over us again. I mean, what's the next word that is coming? You know, what's what's next? Is the world going to bow down to you? You know, they have this conversation as he's coming to them. And then they, they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it and delivered him out of their hands. And he said, let's not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into the pit, which is in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him that he might be delivered him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, that tunic of many colors that was upon him. There they took him and they cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So let's start by talking about the position of the pit. And what I mean is, what got me into this position? Whatever pit you might be in could be a relationship pit, financial pit, It says there was no water, so maybe you just feel like I'm in a real dry place right now that I can't get out of. But what got you into that position? These things don't just happen. Something got you into that position. Now, this isn't something for you to get down on yourselves, but rather more like David. Hey, search me, oh God, and try my heart. Know my thoughts. Check check me out. I, I know that I had something to do with this. And that's the first thing. We've got to take some responsibility. And if so, what can I learn from it? How can I grow from this with God's help? How can I avoid some other pitfalls, right? It's okay to get into the pit because we all will. It's not okay to stay there very long. Now, I'm pretty sure that whatever we fall into, whenever we fall into a pit, we don't don't usually 
take that time to seek God for the positives that could come out of that. Rather, we would like to blame other people like Joseph did. I didn't do anything to be in this pit. They did this to me. It's not my fault. It's not pride. It's, right? It's not envy. It's them. It's them. But if you're going to do that, you're never going to make it out of the pit. We're such a blame-shifting society. No-fault religion is what I call it. It may be God's fault. It might be the enemy's fault. It might be their fault, but it ain't my fault. It's no-fault religion. We're blaming others and never taking time to seek myself, so, well, we, we lock ourselves into that. Now, you think about this. Why, why wasn't Joseph out with his brothers taking care of the flocks anyway? Why wasn't he out with everybody else? What was he doing? Where was he? Was it just because he was 17? Because David was taking care of flocks by himself at 17 years old, same age. Why wasn't he with his brothers? I've heard that it's because there was such animosity between them. Their father had to keep them separated from one another. And here's something else to see. Here he is, the youngest one. Why did the father send the youngest one to check up on his older brothers? We already know, as we saw last week, this kid's a tattletale. He already brought a bad report to his daddy about him before anything. You know, he's already said that before. 12 brothers, 10 older brothers, 10 of them are in their 20s and 30s. Reuben's in his 40s, and he sends a 17-year-old to, to check on him, on the sheep. They knew how to take care of sheep. He's not sending him to check on them and, and the sheep, but rather trying to get a relationship going between them, placing them in an uncomfortable situation, hoping that the mature ones might take this younger one in, and he to them trying to create a situation where maybe they could talk or be together. I know my own father tried this after he was remarried and had two children that were the age of my children trying to get us to come together like this as well. So I get it. I understand what the father was trying to do. Verse 18, now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against to kill him. I mean, they're having a conversation about killing their own brother. We're going to murder him. We're going to lie about it. Killing another human being. So you understand the tension here. They could see him coming from afar off because of that stupid coat that his daddy made him. He wore it everywhere. They could see that coat coming from a mile away, drawing attention to himself with his coat. You know they hated this guy. Here he is, daddy's favorite boy, right? Do we see the Old Testament stories really point to a New Testament Jesus, right? You see that? We could even say that God favors you too. His father gave him a gift and yours did too. The problem was this boy was so proud of his gift. He was showing it off every chance that he got. And we see that with people today. Your gifts aren't for showing off. They're, they're to help others. I can't stand when I see a healing minister bragging about how many they got healed and I did this and flaunting their gift and their calling as though they had anything to do with it. Such a turn off. How, how so many through the years like to let me know, just slipping it into conversation. You know, well, Donnie, I just wanted you to know I'm a prophet. Oh my gosh. Why do you got to tell me about it? Just use it. Stop trying to get everybody to see your coat. Just use it. This was Joseph's hangup, his pride. Now watch this. This is what pride will do. That's why I hate seeing so many pastors and others in ministry bragging about it, being proud. Is that this boy being so proud of his gift caused him to now lose his gift. He was stripped from it. It was stripped from him. This should wake us up. Oh, I know, I know. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. I didn't say the father took it from him. He lost it. He lost it. The father didn't take it. By the way, this is actually talking about the Jewish people in Romans. And now we do know that God, God, um, he, he didn't restore this anyways. 
He did restore this. I mean, he did. We know the Father God restored this. And what I mean is, you could try to blame God for this, but we know it was his own doing that caused him to lose this coat, this gift. But look at this. God restored this to him when you think about it now. When he became the second wealthiest man in the world at one time, he probably had hundreds of coats anyway. You know, I mean, by that point, he probably had hundreds of coats. Beautiful, amazing coats. He probably did. He probably had hundreds of them. Anyway, by the way, I bet his father never threw away that coat when the brothers gave it to him. So he probably even got the original coat back at some point. It's possible he got this coat back with the animal's blood on it. And he could look at that and thank God. Thank God I was delivered. Thank God. So position, what about perspective of the pit? So what got me into the, what, what, what got me into the pit? Now perspective of the pit. Let's get God's perspective of that pit that you're in. The first thing, the, the first one that's going to come and try to get you to, to have some perspective is the enemy. The accuser of the brethren, he's always there. He's a master of the pit, right? And the way to be sure that you know the difference of the voices and who's speaking to you, is it God? Is it the devil? Well, here's how you're going to know. If it's condemning, it's the devil. It's Satan. If it's convicting, it's God. It's Holy Spirit. Condemnation is just general. And conviction is very specific. God will say to you, for example, you were wrong when you said this to that person, and I want you to go ask for forgiveness. Satan will just say, well, you're a bad person. The reason you're in the pit is because you're a bad person. That's why this is happening to you, because you're bad. Satan is a pit professional. You need to know if it's condemning, it's the enemy, because God will never do that. John 3 and verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't send a son to condemn us because guess what? You were already condemned. That's where he found us. If he wanted us condemned, you know what he would have done? Nothing. Because you were already. Genesis 37 and verse 31. Look at this wrong perspective. So they took Joseph's tunic. They killed the kid of the goats. They dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and they said, we found this. Do you know whether it's your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and he said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Now they didn't say that. No, the father saw that and he came to that conclusion. Satan will fabricate evidence to get you to believe the lie. He wants you to jump to the wrong conclusion. And that's what they did. Here's what they did. We found this and this is your son's coat. Like, like they didn't know, is this your son's coat? And it would be 22 years before Jacob found out that his son was alive, 22 years. And it makes me mad at the brothers because imagine hearing and seeing the anguish of that father. And none of them ever had compassion enough to say, dad, listen, after 22 years, dad, listen, we, we made a mistake. He's alive. 22 years, he believed the lie of Satan. Satan will fabricate evidence. I've seen it for years. He'll always draw your attention to the negative and others in your church, in your pastor, in those around you, co-workers, he'll fabricate things so that you eventually assume because you put together some pieces of false evidence and well, gosh, it paints a pretty believable story. So there you go. So know that the devil's always gonna try to get you to see the pit as something you deserved. He'll condemn you. So we see the position of the pit. We see the perspective of the pit. And last, what's the purpose of this pit? Didn't God allow this? Well, yes, but watch this. You may not have noticed. This pit saved that boy's life. The brothers were going to kill him. Now listen to me. You need to start seeing some of this as a positive. The brothers were gonna kill him. I know he was sold into slavery, but that sure beats dying, doesn't it? They were gonna murder him. God 
diverted him through the pit and he delivered him through the pit. And the purpose of the pit is so that you can finally realize I must cry out to God. I have nothing else left. There is nobody else. It's here that I realize I need him now more than ever. I have nothing else in my life. And he used that pit to divert him, to get him to his destiny. He used it for that. I didn't say he caused it. But I'm going to say that when you're in the pit, and you will be, you will find yourself in a pit. Start looking for the positives. Where is this going to divert me to? Jonah 2 and verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out unto the Lord because my affliction, because of the situation I got myself into, because God said, do this, and I said, no, I'll do that, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Sheol is an Old Testament word for the pit, and most of the time it is translated that way, pit. Jonah 2, 6, I went down into the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought my, my life up out of the pit, O Lord God. So it's here that we have to decide, will I cry out to God or will I just gripe and complain about the situation? Maybe we just decide to gripe about who tossed me in here and it wasn't my fault and they did this and they did that. Well, guess what? It won't change the fact that you're in a pit, even if, even if it will not change that you're in a pit. You're gonna have to do something different to get out of the pit. While there, may I recommend that you take just a second and maybe ask God, is there something that I'm missing here? Father God, is there something that I can learn here? Friends, let me tell you, I have found that every time that I've been in a pit situation, now there's times I put myself there and there are times that others have slammed me down into a pit. Absolutely. But either way, griping and complaining didn't get me out. And either way, I had to stop and ask, God, I know. Come on, there's something that you can show me here in the pit. I think Joseph started out the wrong way, but I think that this is a turning point. Hey, uh, God, remember that dream you gave me? Well, a lot of good that did. You said they were going to bow down to me. You gave me this dream, and they don't even listen to me. Now here I am, and so you need to go get them for this. Well, that'd be easy to think. Well, they were wrong, and well, it, it may have started that way, and after God probably didn't answer him about it, he may have said, well, I mean, you know, I, I might have had something to do with this. I mean, I, I know. I, I, I don't do everything right, so maybe I had a little to do with it, but not to this extreme, and so you need to go get him, Lord, and then maybe a little bit later, maybe, oh, God, I know. I know it was me. God, I'm so prideful. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm such a tattletale. I made them hate me. I, I mean, I just, I made them see me as God's, or as dad's favorite, and I was so rude, and God, listen, uh, listen a pit will cause you to reflect on some stuff. You need to embrace that time. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's not pleasing to the flesh. And it hurts to admit that, you know, I did this, didn't I? Because I can't be responsible for how everybody else reacts to me, but I can be responsible to how I react and how I act. Repent. And I think God was waiting to see and to preserve and protect him in this pit. And I think God moved through Judah once Joseph repented and he said, let's get him out and, and, and let's sell him. Let's not kill him. There's a bunch of things in the Bible that we need to understand, analogies. In Reuben, it says Reuben, who was the firstborn, Genesis 37, 22, Reuben said to them, shed no blood, cast him in the pit, which is in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. Who else is the firstborn according to scripture? Jesus, right? The New Testament tells us that he's the firstborn of many brethren. And Jesus came to deliver you and I back to the father. But sometimes it's gonna take a pit to preserve you. See, the pit's a holding place for the delivery to the Father. See, it's here that we need to be delivered from the things that keep us falling into the pit. 
but it's in the pit where we can now reflect and see how I got here and that I will get delivered. Now we know that Joseph is also a a type of Christ in the story as well as they took that robe off of him like they did Jesus. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver to the Midianite traders and took him to Egypt for a profit. And the price for the Egyptian slave was 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, a slave's wage. Judah wanted to, Judah wanted to sell him into slavery and betray his brother. Judas betrayed Jesus and sold him. Judas is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Judah. It all ties together. But here's, here's what it is. If you're in a pit, I know for a fact that God will not leave you in a pit. I know that. He didn't leave, us, he didn't leave his one son in the pit. He's not going to leave you. Psalm 16:10, for you will not leave me in my soul and Sheol, the pit, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. Jesus went to the pit to deliver you out of every pit that you dig for yourself, every pit that you might find yourselves in. He came to deliver you. He came to restore you in that relationship with the Father. But you must pass the pit test. Oh, you can sit there. You can sit there and cry and whine about it. You find yourselves in that pit. Position perspective, and purpose. Let me say it again. Position, what got me here? Perspective, how am I looking at it? And the purpose, God, tell me something. Tell me something. You've got to pass the pit test. What got me into this position? What's really going on? Why am I here? What am I doing here? Is it over? Did I do this to myself? Well, what's the purpose? Can I learn from the pit? Can I recognize that God might be using it? As bad as it may seem, can I find something positive to learn about this pit that's going to cause me to be able to get to my destiny? You got to pass that pride test, friends. You got to pass the pit test. You know, once you do, you're on your way to see dreams fulfilled and destinies won. It's okay. We're all going to land there someday. So don't gripe about it. Embrace it. It's going to make that pit stop a little quicker. And I assure you, God will pull you from that pit and you're going to get to your palace. Thank you for joining me on the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Until next time every pit of my life because there's coming another day my friends that I shall again attempt the ridiculous and achieve the miraculous